get a few things done before I leave. I think you can hear Oscar in the background whining. Ah, come here, buddy. Come here, buddy. Come here. All right. Now I'm doing this podcast with my dog in my hand because he's been he's been neglected a little bit. I just did the Real Man Sports podcast. He sat there. It was only like 20 minutes. I thought he wanted his food. I fed him, and now he's still complaining. Just wants some attention. So, all right, Ock, you're part of this podcast. And the thing about you, Oscar, is you've been featured on XM before, obviously. Certainly the, uh, the Iowa show I still do, you've been featured on. And, of course, the Real Man Wood podcast. Maybe you should do a spinoff of Real Dog Wood. But a real dog wouldn't be complaining this much. Real dog wouldn't be complaining this much. So, I don't know. you gotta, you got to contemplate that. You're definitely not a nutless dog because we didn't fix you. So you couldn't do nutless. The nutless monkey, you can't fill that role because you still got yours, even though most dogs actually could play that role. But uh, since he's seven pounds, we never got him fixed because it's like, what's he going to do? You know, Our neighbor, I mentioned this, in Portugal who rented our house. Well, it was our neighbor because he, he was renting one of his houses to us for a while. It's our architect. He had a dog that wasn't fixed that was like, you know, a hundred plus pounds and was very strong and it's basically a rapist. And it was, it was, it was unpleasant. I mean, I would just punch it right in the face that jumped on me, but that there's not a problem with Oscar. He's not, you know, he's not capable If anything. He's a failed rapist, which as a father, that's not the greatest thing to raise, but it is what it is. He's a dog. Hold on. I gotta put, I'm going to put you down. Anyway. Yeah. So I'm not going to make this too long because just getting every my shit in order for Christmas and traveling to London. But I had a couple things in my mind. I had a request from a listener on a topic, which I'll get to in a minute. One thing is, you know, all these Twitter revelations are coming out and the FBI was deeply embedded in Twitter and you're using taxpayer funds to pay Twitter employees and spend money to suppress information that was beneficial to one party, not the other, and to push their agenda. And, and that's all bad, but we knew that was happening. And it is important that this is proof and that you can't be gaslighted anymore into, you know, oh yeah, that's a conspiracy theory because it was just a fact now. And so this this reporting is important. I love Glenn Greenwald. I love Taibi. I mean, Glenn Greenwald's not doing the initial reporting. It's, it's Taibi and Barry Weiss and Michael Schellenberger, but Greenwald's definitely amplifying it. And I love those guys and I'm glad that this is coming out, but I just kind of feel like this is not really the real thing. I mean, it's real, all this stuff, but, and it's important. And the laptop, Hunter Biden laptop's important. And, and it should be reported on and should have been reported on more at the time. But I feel like the COVID authoritarianism is the real thing. And unfortunately, Greenwald, because he kind of drank the Kool-Aid with it. And I love Greenwald. I think he's one of the most important journalists in the world. And Taibi, who it's not really his beat and, I don't know if he drank the Kool-Aid or not, but didn't really talk about it much. I feel like that is the biggest thing. The authoritarianism in the last couple of years where you were lockdowns and there was a forced injection or, you know, I don't want to quibble about the word forced, coerced for sure. You would lose your job, wouldn't be able to go to a restaurant or go out in public. And the rhetoric against people who refused to comply was just, it was horrible. You know, the, Macron in France said he wanted to make the lives of the vaccinated miserable. And Justin Trudeau was in, implying they were racist. And Joe Biden said it's going to be a winner of death for the, the unvaccinated and said it, you know, in a way that was like, as they deserve, you know, it wasn't like 
tragically, you know, they could die. It was, it was like a threat almost, you know, I, I, I feel like that's the biggest story of all this stuff. And I want to see that COVID origins is huge too, funding gain of function research, but I feel like the, the vaccine push. And then I don't know if there's people, it seems like people don't realize the adverse effects. I mean, the, the lady who cuts my hair is a very nice lady. I really like her. And she had an adverse effect a year ago or whatever. She had something going on with her headaches and brain thing and apparently wasn't that bad and got over it. And now, you know, she was telling me I was losing some hair and I was saying, well, you know, I'm 51 and I guess it could be worse. I could lose my leg in a car accident you know, or something. That'd be worse than losing my hair. And she says to me, uh, yeah, you know, that it's, losing your hair is not that bad. You know, look, I have this. And she points to her thyroid and it's totally swollen. She has this giant goiter. She's like, I need to have surgery in January. And I'm thinking, where the fuck did that come from? Now, people got random illnesses. Nothing's random. Every effect has a cause, whether you know the cause or not. I mean, it's always from something. Nothing's random. But say, oh, it's genetic. It's genetic. Yeah, but genes turn on and off. They switch on and off. You don't, you don't just genetically going to get something. Your genes predispose you to things in the environment. If the environment is, is such, then those two things will combine to give you a particular ailment. But this woman now has this big goiter and she has to get surgery. And, you know, where did that come from? And there's just a lot of people, I mean, that, that I know that, you know, one of them has a brain aneurysm. One of them has cancer. They're just people just getting all these things. And again, like people got ailments before, but the stats are overwhelming that there's massive excess deaths that are non-COVID and there's just a lot of anecdotal stuff. I mean, you see all these musicians, Celine Dion has that, it's called, uh, I said compartment syndrome, but that's not what it was last week. It's stiff person syndrome, which is like one in a million. It was actually listed as an adverse effect in the trials. And I don't know how the stuff isn't totally blown open. It's getting blown open. I mean, it's people in Congress are, talking about it. They're talking about it in the parliament, in the UK, in Norway. I mean, I guess some people have managed to avoid learning about it or understanding the extent of what's going on. But to me, this is the big story. I mean, your rights were violated. You were locked down. You were coerced to take this substance that was not properly tested and vetted. And now there's adverse effects all over the place. And, you know, the effects are not all in, right? I mean, there's the people that drop dead right away, which is rare. And this is the people who died within a couple of weeks, which is less rare, but still reasonably rare. And then there's the people who had myocarditis and heart problems, which is not nearly rare enough. And then there's people getting autoimmune diseases, cancer, and other things that are you know, very hard to trace back specifically to the booster, but that have increased in a, in a way out of proportion to anything historically. And to me, this is the story. This is the story of the era. And again, the Hunter Biden and suppression and FBI getting involved in social media to violate the First Amendment. Those are big stories and they should be reported. But I just feel like they're missing like the story. And you have Greenwald, who is incredibly brave, in my opinion, goes to Hong Kong to meet Snowden, could have gotten thrown in the clink with him. And who knows, you know, how long you know, they, they don't need a, a legal reason. Look what they're doing to Assange. Now, suddenly everyone wants Assange freed all these press organizations, New York Times. And, and you're like, why now? You know, it's been 10 years. You never said it made a peep. And now all of a sudden you want Assange free. That's just very weird. But that's, I'll talk about that in a second. That's just sort of a tangent. But so I, I, res I have all the respect in the world for Greenwald, but it's like, nobody wants to touch this topic. 
I mean, the the doctors that got deplatformed did, and now they're back and they're talking about it. But none of the, obviously, the New York Times and the Washington Post and CNN and MSNBC, they're all complicit in this. They're complicit in the shots. Tucker Carlson's the only one talking about any of this stuff. He's talked about it, but everyone just dismisses that. Oh, that's just right-wing propaganda, conspiracy theories. But nobody who has the credibility with the people that went along with it is willing to talk about it. They're, they're just not. Nobody in the legacy media, the corporate media, that's not the you know considered right-wing corporate media is willing to talk about, to me, the biggest scandal that I've ever seen at any level. This is worldwide. There's billions of shots given. If these things are as bad as a lot of the reports imply, holy shit, like this, you know, it, it seems like it's as bad or worse. And this is the biggest story in the world. And even Glenn Greenwald and Matt Taibbi and Elon Musk and Twitter are not touching this. Now, Twitter's finally not suppressing it. There's not these bullshit warnings about misinformation. We know who spreads the inf misinformation. We know. It, that's, it's a joke. I mean, even if you're like the most normie of normies, you got to fucking know when they told you you couldn't catch and spread the virus, that that was a total lie, that they spread misinformation. You, even if you're the biggest normie, the most credulous person, you got to concede at this point where the misinformation is coming from, at least one of the places it's coming from. So, you know, there's no one in my mentions anymore lecturing me about what medicine to take. That, that was going on for about six months. There is nobody lecturing me. Nobody. None. Where did those guys go? Where did all the volunteer Pfizer interns go? Nobody's talking about that. I don't see Mina Climbs doing any Aaron Rodgers videos anymore. Where's Mina Climbs? Why isn't she accounted for that video that she did of Aaron Rodgers, libeling him for, as being a disinformation spreader when she herself at that moment was spreading disinformation while accusing him and libeling him and calling him selfish for not wanting to take medicine that she deemed him, that she deemed necessary for him to take? Who the fuck is she? She's not his doctor. Even if she was his doctor, your doctor doesn't own you, doesn't get, get to tell you what you have to take. They can make a recommendation. She's sitting there on ESPN and lecturing Aaron Rodgers about what medicines to take and libeling him and calling him a disinformation spreader and selfish. I mean, Mina Climes needs to, uh, no, she needs to apologize. How can you how can you live with yourself if you do stuff like that and try to destroy someone's reputation? And of course, everyone's kicking him, you know, while he was down. Everybody was piling on, you know, oh, he's bad. He's a bad guy. Look at his family, doesn't like, you know, throwing the kitchen sink at this guy. And and of course, you know, since he was the persona non grata for not taking the mRNA shot, for not complying. Everybody got rewarded. Everybody patted her on the back and said, oh, great segment. I'm glad you said, you know, what was true and what was on your mind or whatever. And Mina Climes needs to account for that if she, if she wants. I mean, if she doesn't have to, she could just live with having done that to somebody's reputation on a large platform and uh, and then just pretending like it never happened. But, you know, this is just, just bizarre, you know, that, that this story is so big. And it's not just... Oh, he didn't want to take the medicine. And hey, he's right. Like it didn't stop the spread. Everybody got COVID anyway. He got COVID. He was fine in three days. It's not just that they were wrong. It's that there's adverse effects now. So there's two, there's two layers to this, right? Like it wasn't effective, right? It certainly didn't stop the spread. I don't think there's good evidence that it really helped too many people. Maybe people disagree on that. I don't really want to 
debate that because I don't even care whether it helped some people. It's possible it did. I don't see good evidence that it actually helped people. I heard a lot of um, attestations that it helped people, but all those people were saying as soon as they got COVID, oh, thank God I had six shots. I only got sick for two weeks. It only took me a month to get over this because I had six shots, you know? So there are all these attestations of it helping people, but was there hard data? All this, oh, well, the, the unvaccinated are the ones in the hospital, you know, at least it protected that. And then we found out that that data, they stopped updating it. That data was cooked because they were counting people who had had one shot or even had two shots, but didn't have the 14 days to kick in. They were counted as unvaccinated and unknown, unknown people who were in the hospital were counted as unvaccinated. And also, you know, maybe some of the reasons that the uh, guys who were not yet fully vaccinated because the two weeks hadn't kicked in uh, were in the hospital for adverse effects. So the, the data is really cooked on, on whether it actually helped anybody. But even assuming it did help somebody, it didn't stop the spread. And so the one level is, well, it didn't stop the spread. So all the haranguing of people who didn't want it and shaming of them and accusing them of spreading a disease that, of course, they didn't fund the gain-of-function research. They didn't have anything to do with it. All of that was wrong. To, you were wrong to demonize those people. You were wrong to try to get yourself to feel better or to get social clout by demonizing these people. But then that's just half of it, right? So there's, we're getting confused with two different concepts. One of them is, yeah, it was totally wrong what you said about Rogers, but what about the fact that the stuff they were advocating for looks like it's disabling and killing people? So like, not only did they not do the thing you accused them of, but you did something worse because at least if you didn't take a vaccine that worked and it's possible that you, you contributed to the spread, well, you know, it's a passive thing. It's an, it's an act of omission. You just didn't get something. But if you, on the other hand, are browbeating and haranguing people to get something that's actually deadly and harmful and poisonous, well, now that's a whole different level. That's an act of commission. You know, you are part of the mob that is enabling the government to get away with coercion. So, you know, we're not just talking about, well, you were wrong to accuse him. You, if this is true, if this, if these adverse effects are in fact as prevalent as they seem, then we're talking about a whole other level of malfeasance. And so, you know, of course they don't want to talk about it. Of course they don't want to come back because it's not merely apologizing for, oh yeah, I guess it didn't stop the spread and you were fine. You didn't really need it. So my bad, you know, I, I thought it was something that other than it was, that would be something. But what about you basically saying in that clip that everybody else has to do it? And, you know, I, I don't want to pick on Mina Klimes so much because she's just one of many. She, I, that clip, how indignant she was, I just really jumped out on me. But she was far from the only person doing that. What Jim Cramer was saying that they should round them up and put them in camps. And there were a lot of very prominent pundits and people and celebrities saying similar things. So I don't want to pick on her to only, just that she's sort of more adjacent to my industry. You know, a lot of people follow her and stuff, but I don't, I don't mind her football analysis. I don't think she's bad, but, but that is just, you can't just leave that out there and not account for it. I mean, person with any integrity would have to go back and, and say, wow, I really fucked up. You know, and, and the thing is like that, the reason why it's so fucked up is that was when people like Rogers 
the people who were are not complying, they were vulnerable. Like people wanted to run him out of the league. I mean, there are people on Twitter saying DeAndre Hopkins, when he tweeted something about not taking the vax or about, you know, choosing what he puts into his own body. I can't remember it. Um, I, I made a tweet that I said, I stand with Hopkins and people were like, fuck Hopkins. He's horrible. If the NFL wants to run him out of the league, that's the, they're able to do that. That's their right. I mean, these people were gunning to end these end the livelihoods of these players and they were coming for their livelihoods. And when, when she was doing that pile on, like, yeah, he's a star player making a lot of money and he was unlikely they were going to actually, you know, do that much to him. But like, you know, th those are the people that are, are going to be involved in the, in the witch hunt. It, it's one thing if you caught an injustice when it's, when it's not popular and then you end up being mistaken or call out bad action when it's, when it's not popular, when you don't get praised for it. You know, that that's different, but this is the, the low hanging fruit, the pile on the guy that everybody administration, all the major corporations, all the advertisers, all the media is demonizing that kind of person. And Team Good is demonizing that the FBI controlled Twitter is, you know, making their views seem her heretical and, and wrong and evil and promoting views that are compliant with Pfizer's marketing budget. You know, th that's craven. That's craven. And that's why I've been calling her Mina Climes, which is maybe harsh, but not really. You know, it's it's not harsh compared to, to what she did. And, you know, I, I feel like, People with big platforms have more to answer for, but I do feel like the average person who fell for it, who was an asshole, who was contributing to the mob mentality, the witch hunt, must apologize. I mean, you know, and a, and a real apology. Not like, well, the facts changed. I wasn't sure. We didn't know. Like, no, I fucking didn't know. And I trusted the pharmaceutical industry and my TV. And I wanted, you know, people to think I was a good person or I wanted to feel like a good person. And I went after innocent people who were actually defending you, defending everybody by, by not complying, by not giving in a coercion, like taking a stand on behalf of everybody. You know, I, I have a couple guys I know who felt the same way as I did about the vaccine. And yet they got it anyway, because they were worried for their jobs. And I've thought about this because it annoyed me. I was like, I shouldn't judge them. I was never in a hard position. You know, I, I didn't want to not go to a restaurant or not be able to travel, but I was never in a position where I would lose my paycheck if I didn't get the shot. So who am I to judge somebody who was in that position where, you know, push comes to shove, you know, they had to, they had to make a tougher call than I did. But I still have some resentment toward it because I feel like everybody who complied made it harder for everybody else, right? Everybody who didn't comply and said, no, fuck you, uh, made it easier for everybody else. And so, you know, there, there's, there's, a, there's an aspect of, of the people who said no, especially the people who made hard choices to say no, people like Rogers where it was public. And, you, you know, th those, those are the people that they should be thanking. And, um, and instead there was a pile on. There was one guy I know that was sort of in a position like me, like he, he worked remotely, kind of ran his own business and really didn't have to, to do it. But then he, and he knew, I mean, in retrospect, he acted like he didn't know, but I remember talking to him beforehand and he knew a lot of this was bullshit and he certainly wasn't worried about COVID. And yet he got it because he wanted to travel. He wanted the fabulous life. You know, he wanted to go to France and ski and do things. And, you know, I, again, being judgmental of other people is kind of, you're not in their shoes. You, you are not perfect. 
you have definitely caved at times to things. I'll give you a good example in a minute, something I caved in on and, and I'll take an L on something, but, but I'm kind of like, fuck you. You know, uh, I'm kind of just like every time you came in, now it's different from people who thought it was legit and did it unwittingly. Like that's, that was just a, an error. And now, you know, you know, now, you know, you don't give in just because you're told to, but if you knew and you didn't really have to, and it's like, it's not just you, right? It's, it's for your kids. It's for your friends. It's for your fellow citizen that you're saying no. You know, if you don't, everybody's saying no is what, what turns the tide. I mean, it's better if we sue and say, fuck you, not just no, but fuck no, not just fuck no, but fuck you. And then sue them and make a stink out of it. Because if everyone does that, it's over. It's over tomorrow. So, you know, the, there's a, a spectrum of how much you can say no. But I'll tell you it's something I'm soft. Like, you know, I pay my taxes and I'm very compliant on my taxes because I don't want to run afoul of the IRS because I don't want, uh, for obvious reasons. And I got into an argument debate with a safety Amos a few years ago. Like, I was like, look, I'm fine with paying taxes, but I want my money's worth. Like, you know, I don't want fucking wars and I don't want Ukraine getting all this fucking money. And I don't want arms manufacturers getting so much money. And I don't want our Congress who's paid by us insider trading and all this stuff. I was like, but you know, if they're doing a decent job with schools or bridges or roads, fine. I'll pay the taxes. Like I just, I feel like I'm paying the taxes. I want the police to do their jobs. I want the FBI not to spy on me. You know, I want the CA not to spy on me. I want, I want my money's worth and I want it to be well spent. And that was my, uh, I don't know if you guys can hear Oscar, but that was my argument. He was like, he was like, no, that's bullshit. He was basically like, the only reason you pay taxes is because if you don't, you're going to get, you're going to lose your money or go to jail. He's like, that's the only reason you pay taxes. It's total coercion. You are not, if you think you're buying something, you're not buying something. You're just being forced into this and you do it out of compliance and that's it. And that's fine. But don't delude yourself that this is some sort of voluntary deal that you're you know, hoping to get. And I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm, I'll pay them, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, a couple of years later, I'm going to take the L on that argument. I, I now see that it's just, a, it's so corrupt. It's so rotten and that the money could be so much better spent if I just invested in something or I was in control of those funds to distribute them somehow. It would be better than the horrors that are being inflicted, not just not positives, not just not doing a good job repairing the infrastructure, but actually active negatives, you know, controlling what can be said, free speech violations, using the money to send a Pfizer and push poison on people. I mean, this is, you know, this is what's being done with your tax money, starting wars overseas, fomenting division among people. I mean, th this is what your tax dollars are up to. And so he's right. And yet I'm still going to pay my taxes this year and right? I'm still going to do it. And I'm going to do it in a way that is, you know, I'm going to minimize, but I'm going to legally pay them and comply with the rule and everything that, you know, I do to mitigate that's going to be legal. And a person could say to me, you know, in the same way I'm saying to these uh, people who caved in and got the, the shot, like, dude, you're killing us. You know, we, we, we are, are trying to say no to this and you're complying and making it harder for us. And I think that's valid. I think it's fucking valid. I think that I was thinking about this, not that this is an excuse, but when I grew up, you know, my parents were paying taxes and my friends' parents were paying taxes. And then when we grew up, we were paying taxes. So something I was born into, this sort of tax system, whereas this new thing where I have to take a shot when I don't want, that's not something I was born into. It's an extra from like the status quo ante. 
Um, and so is lockdowns and all that other stuff, masks and all that shit. So to me, it's easier to resist something that's, you know, not what you grew up with. But once your, your eyes are open, like I feel like mine are. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying like you judge other people, but someone could judge me, you know, and, and I'm saying, well, you know, it's, it's not worth it. I'd rather just pay and, you know, live my life in peace rather than not pay and, you know, have real problems with the IRS. And they're like, yeah, same thing with me. I just rather get the shot and have no problem with work or travel and rather than not get the shot and have all these problems. Well, you know, I hope that all those people don't have these adverse effects, don't have cancer, don't get autoimmune disease, don't have neurological problems. I really hope they don't. But, you know, it's a, it's a risk, you know, at least with the money, it's money. It's just money. And you can, uh, you know, and you, and you can decide each year, like what you can, what your situation is that you take chemicals in your body. Who the fuck knows what the long-term effects of, of that is. But then again, you could argue, well, it's just money, but that money is going to Ukraine. That money's going to Pfizer. So by you paying, you're basically, uh, you're basically bankrolling this whole disaster. So anyway, that's just that. It was just some thoughts I was having about taxes and judging other people easy to judge, but if you really look in the mirror, you can see that you're complicit in a lot of this shit too. One thing I tweeted today and just occurred to me is that it's a huge information gap. It's like for me, like, and the people that, that know, like the, the shots are scourge. They don't work. And they're, again, apparently, I mean, I I'm open to the possibility that like, I'm down a wrong rabbit hole that all these people and all this stuff is just I'm falling for a, narr a counter narrative, maybe. I mean, it just seems so un improbable, but trying to like not be like, because I don't like, I don't have like actual what I would call proof. I've got like so much anecdotal evidence. I've seen great data done, but data, somebody else compiling it. Have I really looked into it in the sense that I know that, you know, he'll say this is the CDC data and here it is, like the ethical skeptic. But have I really like verified that he was using, I say, well, you know, if he was making that up, somebody in the comments would, would point out that that's not the CDC data or he did this or that, but that's, that's not the case. Like, you know, and there's a lot of prominent people that follow this guy, but again, that's a lot of prominent people fallacy, which is kind of why everybody fell for it in the first place. A lot of prominent people were, you know, swearing by the injection. So, I mean, you know, I, I could be falling for the same fallacy that they did. So I, I, I am hesitant to say this is just an absolute fact. It seems like it to me. Seems like it's a fact from every heuristic that I know without verifying it myself, which is difficult. Um, this just seems like beyond question at this point. All these musicians getting these, you know, I said Celine Dion, Justin Bieber, Katy Perry, Eric Clapton. They're all getting these crazy ailments all of a sudden, canceling their tours. Billy Joel, you know, all these, all these musicians. I don't know why musicians seem to be so hit by it. It might be something to do with like the amount of electromagnetic maybe it interacts with that because they're surrounded by amplifiers and cables and wireless. I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I'm just speculating, but so it seems very likely to me that this is the case, but again, I can't, you know, I can't prove, prove it, but, the, but not to even be aware of the excess deaths, which I don't think that's controversial right now. And the uptick in cancers and the uptick in all these neurological issues, like, People are just not even aware that anything's going on. I mean, is that possible? So this big information gap, I feel like, like some people aren't even aware that this is going on. And it's very strange. And there's another information gap. There's two. There's this one and there's what's going on with the money and the financial system. And you know, there's a lot of different takes on what the financial system, what's going on and 
how close it is to breaking and all of that. And uh, I don't think, you know, I think there's, I don't know. I don't know what the truth is about that. But, you know, the, I do know that when people like crypto and Bitcoin and they're like, oh, it's just crypto is dead or crypto this, crypto that. They don't know what crypto is versus Bitcoin and, and how, what money is and how Bitcoin is a better form of money than the money that we're accustomed to. And that crypto is just some sort of watered down digital version of, of the money we have, but not, you know, not even backed by the U.S. military, not even backed by convention, not even backed by habit and how shady that is and how different it is between, between that and Bitcoin. And there's just a big information gap, I think, between sort of the monetary system, Bitcoin, and what's actually going on and this information gap on the mRNA shots and, and you know, what's going on in, on sort of the public health front and how off base and how dishonest our public health establishment's been. And the government just keeps going along because I've said this before, they're pot committed. It's just weird information gap. And I said, you know, I don't know if it'll be sufficient to know the two things about what's going on in the medical system, what's going on in the monetary system, but it's surely necessary. I, I mean, I think if you don't understand these things, it's going to be a rude awakening. You know, it's funny, I, I, uh, I shorted Pfizer and Moderna like a year ago or maybe eight months ago, being sure that stuff was going to come out and I, those puts, I didn't short, I, I bought puts and those went to zero and I lost like, I don't know, 500 bucks or something, but I'm so tempted to do it again. But I'm just like, everyone just assumes, ah, they'll never get them. It's, they'll, they'll just, you know, grease the wheels or something else. They'll spin it some way or whatever. But man, this stuff's coming out. I don't know if it's immoral. It's certainly immoral to make money on Pfizer or Moderna. Is it immoral to make money shorting them? You know, making money off of misery because they get busted, I should probably just be ha happy enough that, you know, if, if justice is served, but I'm kind of like, well, in they're trading, like nothing's going on. And it just seems like the signal is so strong. I mean, they're talking about this in the British parliament, U S Congress, there's a testimony being recorded. I, I mean, again, I don't know how much, how many people have been bought and how far the cover up can go, but it just seems like a, a real disconnect. And is it immoral to, to, to profit on that? I mean, it, it's happening whether I do it or not. All right. And uh, one other topic that a, a listener, Kevin, uh, brought to my attention. He says, you know, you never, I'll just quote him so I can get it. He said, I listen to your real man pause. You always seem to have a sensible take on current events. One topic, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the transgenderism in children. Definitely never heard you touch on. Love to hear your opinion. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll touch on it. So I haven't talked about this because I guess partly because it doesn't affect me. Like, I, you know, I have a daughter who's 10, almost 11. And to my knowledge, you know, she knows what a they is and they talk about it at school. I think there's one kid that identifies as a they, but it's just not a big thing in Portugal. I guess it may be a bigger thing in Portugal than it was. Like people know about it, but it's not like epidemic or anything. So her friends aren't really dealing with that and she's not really dealing with that. And I'm not really worried about that personally in my life. So it doesn't, you know, it's not like something that, that comes up. I don't think there's like clinics here that I know of that would try to transition my daughter, convince her to change or something like that. And so it's just not even, it's just never, it's not on my radar. One guy that I follow on Twitter that's done a really good job covering it, I think is Wesley Yang. It's a good follow anyway, but Wesley Yang talks about it quite a bit. He has some good takes on it. I mean, my take is just the obvious take is like, look, like when you're an adult, do whatever the fuck you want. As long as you're not harming me, I, it might not be something that I would do or, or be enthused about, but you know, you're, you're your own person. And if you feel a certain way and 
who am I to tell you that you don't feel that way? You know, why would I want to? What, what business is it of mine if you want to consensually make some changes to yourself and get doctors to do it and you can pay for it? Why, why is that even my business? You know, like, why, why would I, why do, what does my opinion even matter on that? You know, like, who cares what I think? Like, it's somebody else's choice. Um, with kids, though, obviously, you know, this is some of the stuff is irreversible, affects reproduction. I don't think they should be allowed. I don't think you should be allowed to do life changing, permanent things when you're a kid. You're not allowed to uh, drink till you're 21. You're not allowed to drive a car till you're 16. And even then, you need some supervision. You're not allowed to go to war, serve in war till you're, what, 18? I don't know what the age of military eligibility is, something like that. And, and for good reason, right? Because kids don't know what the fuck they're doing. And if they get in situations that are high stakes, life and death, before they're ready, it, it can have tragic consequences. And I think, you know, operating yourself or taking chemicals or hormones or something that are going to permanently alter you uh, at that age is just no way, no chance. And I, and I think it's partly, some of it, you know, and, and I think it's obviously like, you know, this stuff's being pushed, right? There's an agenda, all these people are making money off of it. There's all these clinics, all this stuff arose to, to help a whole industry moves in around. It's just like COVID, right? Masks. Like, of course, there's always going to be people advocating for masks because masks are a big business now and testing, COVID testing, right? That was a multi-billion dollar business. So like all those testing centers and all those labs, like they're not going to just like lose all that revenue. They're going to set up lobbyists and people and try to try to get people to think that testing is necessary and masks are necessary. It's the same with this, right? If there's money to be made, and all these people are having these surgeries and it's a whole industry. Like they, you know, industries come with their lobbying, with their PR, with their advocacy. And um, there's this guy, Egyptius or something. I don't know what is, uh, how to pronounce it on Twitter that I follow who, who said that some of it grew out of the gay rights movement, he thinks, because, you know, the, the gay marriage movement and gay rights, like they won, right? I mean, they, they prevailed. And most people, including me, think that's totally fine, right? Gay people get married. Who cares? It's good. Fine. You know, why, why, why is that again? And why is that a problem for me? But that once you have people whose jobs it is to be these activists, to always be, you know, pushing for something, lobbying for something, and they win when they win, it's a problem because these people need to go to the next thing. Cause if, if there is no next thing, next frontier to push, then they have to find a new line of work. Because if you're advocating for gay marriage and gay marriage wins, well, now what are you advocating for? Now it's like, okay, well, that's good. Got that done. So he thinks that like, basically they just had to advocate for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And the thing was there were trans people before, you know, it became fashionable to be a trans person. There were people who, I mean, who, who transitioned despite huge condemnation into society where there were people who were just like, oh, what are you doing? And so those people who really, really obviously wanted to transition, those adults, I mean, you got to take them at their word, right? Like they clearly felt something was necessary because they took a lot of, took a lot of flack and went through a lot of backlash and a lot of condemnation by themselves in society. I mean, they, you know, it was brave of them to do that because it was not, they were not warmly received. So the people, you know, 15, 20 years ago doing it, you know, those people obviously felt extremely strongly. So you got to take them at their word. But now all of a sudden, you know, some much more significant percentage of the population is doing it. That seems to me 
less likely. And that a lot of it is that adolescence is hard. I mean, everybody, when they're a teenager, it's awkward. It's, it's a tough time. And it's probably tougher now with COVID and all the disconnect and all the devices, everyone's got their face buried in the screen. And all of a sudden you're, you know, you're into somebody or you're having these feelings for other, for other people. And you're more awkward socially than even we were. And everybody was awkward as a teenager because you just don't have the face-to-face -face interaction, the chops. And so, you know, it's unpleasant, it's uncomfortable. So you have feelings that are uncomfortable and, you know, we're in a society now where bad, you know, uncomfortable feelings need to be eliminated. Um, that's why, you know, oh, let's police all the speech on Twitter. We don't want anyone to get uncomfortable, but like just fucking turn off your computer, block the person. You know, it's, it's like discomfort is okay. Reading something that makes you feel uncomfortable is okay. It used to be that you go to college to be confronted with uncomfortable ideas that the point of going to college was like, you're going to get confronted with ideas that you don't agree with that stimulate you to maybe get out of your dumbass high school mind that you don't know shit about anything. And you're going to be exposed to ideas that are going to be challenging for you. And now it's like, Oh no, no, no. Everybody has to think the same thing. And we, we don't want anyone to be uncomfortable. I think being uncomfortable is good. I think being significantly harmed permanently is bad, but being uncomfortable is actually good for you. And you should want discomfort. Emotional discomfort is good for you. I don't know why we're protecting people from emotional discomfort. So, you know, as a teenager, you're going to have a lot of emotional discomfort. And, you know, our, my teenagers are fucked up. I mean, nobody's fucking looking out for me, but, you know, you deal with it. And, and you, and you, everybody had, you know, in the 80s and 70s, you know, people were, nobody fucking gave a shit about what you did or what was going on with you. So you dealt with it, you know, and sometimes it was difficult, but sometimes also it was good because you, you figured some things out or, or made stupid mistakes. But, you know, I mean, if you, if you change your gender and can't change back or screw up your ability to reproduce, like, that's fucked. It's much better to like get baked or, you know, get drunk with your friends or, or make an ass of yourself a couple of times and, and get over it. I'm not a big, you know, I, I smoked more than my share of weed growing up and I'm actually sort of anti-weed. I'm not anti-weed. Like I think it should be, I think weed should obviously be legal. And I think it should be, you know, I don't think anyone should go to jail for weed, but I do think that people should not be smoking that much weed. I mean, every once in a while, it's no big deal. But I do, I've seen like people just kind of throw their whole lives away. And I know, cause for me, like you can just smoke weed all day with a friend and like basically do nothing, walk around, chit chat, get some food, walk around, throw the Frisbee, walk around. I mean, you just, you can, and you know, if you start toggling days like that together one after another and pretty soon, like, you know, years go by and you're like, what the fuck was I even doing? LA and weed. It's like the, the place where nothing happens. You just get baked all day. There's nothing, nothing getting done. I talked about it uh, in this uh, piece I just wrote, nothing, nothing is done, nothing left undone, you know, sort of the enlightened way where you're not doing anything. You're just, you know, sort of setting up conditions and letting nature take its course. But the weed is really nothing, nothing is done and really nothing gets done. <laughs> weed is, can be pernicious like that. But again, I don't think it's, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's obviously like the least dangerous substance for acute problems. You never get an acute emergency on weed. And I've OD'd many times on weed and gotten super paranoid, but you never have an acute emergency. But, you know, over time, I think especially for some certain kinds of people, it's, uh, you know, it can really kind of drain your whole life away. So I'm, I'm, I'm sort of less pro-weed. I'm pro-weed, but I'm not like, you know, I don't really, I smoke, if I run into it every six months, maybe I'll have a little bit, but 
I definitely thought I'd be smoking more weed 10, 20 years ago than I'm doing now. And it's, it's just not something I really think about at all. But anyway, I've been getting kind of far afield. I guess the question was the trans kids, I think absolutely not. Wait till they're adults. When they're adults, they can figure it out. And if it is one of the kids that really was like the people 20 years ago that, you know, it was urgent, urgent. I think they can be pissed that they didn't get it when they wanted it at 15 or 14 or whatever. But when they're 18 or whenever, you know, the legal ages, then they can get it and say, you know, okay, I got it. I'm 18 and, and I can do this now. There's a lot of things I don't think kids should be doing you know, certain medications they probably shouldn't be taking. And, you know, a lot, a lot of things that when your brain is still forming, let it be, you know, let, let nature be. Now it should be impossible for anybody to do it without parental consent. So that, that should just be non-starter. But if somebody took someone's kid, who was, you know, 12 or 14 or 15 and without the parent's consent did that, I mean, I think life in prison type stuff. I mean, I would be extremely harsh on something like that. I think, I think the, the reason I don't talk about this much is it's just like controversial without really, I care. I care about other people's kids, obviously, but I think most of it's just so stupid. Like you're going to do something out of a fad. If it's a fad, like it's just so dumb. And in some extent, like, just like, I mean, there's kids who die from fentanyl overdoses. I don't talk about that. It's like, and that's even worse because it could just be like a mistake. Like you bought some cocaine, you got some fentanyl in it and died. But like, you know, you got to do your best as a parent to not get your kid to even be, you know, anywhere near that kind of stuff in the current environment. And I know it's easier said than done. My kid's only 10. So knock on wood, I, you know, hope that uh, I'm not dealing with anything like that, but, and you never know, but I think like at some point as parents, like you have to try to inculcate your kid with values and self-worth and sort of the resilience to get through the awkwardness of teenage years and let them suffer. I mean, I think one of the big things about being a parent is letting your kids suffer, you know, not, not harm, but letting them suffer discomfort. If they're mad about something, whatever, sometimes I'm like, you know, go cry it out. Like, I, I, I think this is right what I'm doing and you're mad and that's fine. And you can scream and yell, but I'm sorry. You're just gonna have to deal with this unhappiness about this decision I made. And usually when you do that, they, <laughs> they don't cry for that long. And 10 minutes later, they're, you know, they're joking around with you again. But, you know, sometimes they just need to hear that. Like, go suffer, you know, go, go deal with it, go cry it out. You know, this is not the end of the world. And I think you need to sort of inculcate that early so that when they have, you know, bigger things go against them, they're able to just suffer a bit and just feel bad and be unhappy of an outcome they didn't want and deal with it. And, and things like awkwardness as a teenager or getting rejected or whatever, they can deal with that and not, you know, make it a thing where, oh, you got to question your identity and then you're vulnerable to predators who want to capitalize on that, on that confusion and, and rope you into, you know, it's like people who would sign up kids for the army who were unhappy. And next thing you know, they're in the front lines of Vietnam, you know, it's like, they're, they're like recruiting kids for their own purposes and it's horrible. So anyway, that's my view on that. I probably talked too much on that, but I think it's mostly, I think it's a pretty common view. Like, you know, when you're an adult, do what you want to do. I would never stop you, but kids need a little bit more protection. All right, that's going to do it. I know it's kind of a dark way to end, but you know, we're in dark times, so fuck it. It is what it is. Um, I hope everyone has a good holiday, good Christmas. I'm going to London on Thursday. we sweating out these, uh, these games. I'm rooting. I, I don't know yet. I haven't committed to this, but uh, on Thursday night, I have Trevor Lawrence in my... I didn't mention this. I mentioned this on Real Man Sports, but I'm number two overall in the NFFC uh, primetime playoffs and first prize is 250 grand. 
and I got to get two more weeks. It's a, it's a three week playoff after one week plus my cumulative average score. I'm in second place, two more good weeks and I can win 250 grand. And I have some dilemmas. Like I got to decide whether to start Daniel Jones against the Vikings or Trevor Lawrence on a short week with his left tackle out for the year against the Jets who are super stingy on the road and what's likely to be some weather, bad rain, and I don't know how much wind. So I'm leaning toward Daniel Jones, but I'll be sweating those games uh, on Thursday and Saturday and Sunday, but that's what I'm going to do for Christmas. I hope you guys have a good one. Until next time.